everybody. Thank you so much for joining us and coming back this week. As always, if you are enjoying listening to us, you can like and subscribe and share with your friends and you can find us basically anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I'm going to jump right in this week with my practice notes. So we are kind of in, I feel like I say this all the time, like it doesn't really ever stop, right? Um, But things have been extremely busy lately for all different kinds of reasons. And real talk, I have not stepped on my yoga mat in, I don't know, it's been a couple weeks, honestly. I haven't taken a class. Um, I haven't practiced at home. I like see my yoga mat and I'm like, I should, we should like hook up you and I, just you and me. Um, (laughs) but most nights I've just been really tired and I've been going to bed, which is what I need to do right now. Um, but I have this thing in my personality where if I don't do something when I'm supposed to do it or, um, like do it regularly, I will just like continue to put it off. I honestly think there's like something there that's like rooted in like, shame is a strong word, but I just start to feel bad. And then you don't even want to like do it. And, and this includes my yoga practice. Like I just start to feel bad that I haven't practiced. And then you just like, don't want to do it, which really doesn't make sense, but it's something that I do. And I've recognized in a lot of areas of my life. And so I just had this moment with myself last night where I was like, I should like just, my hips are really tight right now. I should do some hip openers. And I felt myself go like, oh, I just don't want to, not because I don't want to, but because I haven't done it. Um, and I was like, literally no one, I mean, now all of you know, (laughs) I was like, no one knows that you haven't practiced yoga. Your yoga mat is not going to shame you. that you haven't been around, like just go do Supta Kanasana and call it a day. And so I think for me, the lesson in that was it's okay to like be inconsistent with that kind of thing. Sometimes if you're giving yourself something else that you need, which lately has just been sleep, right? Um, and that there is no shame there. There's nothing to feel bad about. Like, my yoga mat is waiting for me. I can come back to it and you know, it's fine. It's totally fine. (laughs) So if you haven't been on your mat in a while and you find yourself not wanting to do it, not because you don't want to do it, but just because you haven't done it and there's something there that just makes you feel bad, just go sit on your mat. It's fine. You can do it. (laughs) Oh, these things that we have to process through. Um, Thank you for letting me share with you. Um, But I want to get right to corner of the curve this week because I'm so excited. Anna and I talked to, again, someone that we just really adore. um, And that is Curvy Yoga teacher, teacher, Liz Norell. She's so great. And we talked about her on the podcast last week. Um, She and Katie are actually heading off in a couple, well, by the time you hear this, they will be at their retreat. So hopefully we'll have some pictures of that, that we can share with you, but we really adore her. And as always, we're so thankful for the opportunity to get to share the people we love the most with all of you. So I'm just going to go right to it. Okay. Hi everybody. Liz and I are here with Another one of our favorite Liz's, Liz Norell. Yeah. So Liz is based in Monteagle, Tennessee. And 
Liz, we first met in my classes in Nashville at the community center. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Yeah. I was like, I think that was 2010. It's been a while. It was a while. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a recollection of exactly when I first came, but I remember I had been, um, going to that community center in East Nashville for a little while swimming. And I Mm. saw that you were teaching a class and I was like, I don't know, that might be fun. (laughs) And that was the beginning of a journey because then in 2016, Liz and I were so lucky to have you in yoga teacher training, which was just the absolute best. It was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like on every podcast, I'm like marveling over time, but it's the same. It's already been two years since you finished. That's crazy. I know. <laughs> it, it, you know, in some ways it feels like those two years have been a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And in other ways it feels like it was just yesterday. Yeah. yeah. I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let me tell everybody a little bit about you, Liz, because you are amazing. So you, Liz has a PhD in political science and teaches government courses at Chattanooga State Community College. On the yoga teaching side, she has logged more than 500 hours of teaching in Chattanooga, Sewanee, and Tracy City since finishing her training. So let me just put that in perspective. That's a lot of teaching in two years. (laughs) Her classes are gentle, meditative, and designed to include those of all body types and flexibility levels. And in the last year, she's done something really cool, which we want to talk with her about, which is to bring her teaching into the water leading gentle aqua yoga classes to those who never imagined that they could do yoga. Amazing. Liz will complete her 300-hour yoga teacher training in 2019 at Asheville Yoga Center, where she has focused her advanced studies on trauma-informed, restorative, and yin yoga classes. So welcome, Liz. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's jump in. The, The conversation that Liz and I are really interested in these days is, you know, how do people really make yoga and or body acceptance work in their everyday lives? Because I think there's so many different things that make us feel like it's going to be really hard or take all our time. So I'd love to jump in with this question, which is what did the idea of yoga practice mean to you when you first started yoga? And what does it mean to you now? Such a great question. Yeah, I think when I first started going to yoga classes, I thought it meant that I needed to feel like I couldn't move my body anymore because I had moved so much and sweated so much that I was just done. Mm, uh (laughs) Like I I remember the first yoga class I went to. um, I really did feel like if this is what yoga is, I'm never doing it again. (laughs) Yeah. I was never so happy for a Shavasana in my life as I was. <laughs> That's hilarious. For the end of that class. Yeah, I was, and, and I had friends who were yoga teachers and I was, they were always trying to get me to go and like, what are you doing? Like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think until, um, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast, but because <laughs> until I came to your classes, Anna, I didn't understand that yoga could really be whatever you needed it to be. Yes. And so um, that was a real that was a real shift for me. And you know, today I think my yoga practice is less about coming to a mat for a thirty or forty five or sixty or seventy five minute practice as it is about 
little five or 10 minute parts of my day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like the most tangible thing I can tell you is that I have about an hour long commute to and from work. And wow. when I get to work, the first thing I do is I get out of my car and it's so natural now that I don't even realize I'm doing it, but I do like three minutes of yoga in the parking lot yeah. just to like unspool from the drive yeah. before I walk into my office. That's so good. Well, it's such a good reset, I would imagine, for your body, but also just for your mind, getting yourself ready to make that transition into the work day. Exactly. And then when I get home, same thing. Um, and, you know, I, I think for me, yoga has become so much more about the mental part of yoga than it is about the physical part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's pausing to take breaths. It's pausing to just see like, how am I feeling right now? What do I need? What is my body asking for? Um, and, you know, developing that sense of, of intuition about, you know, I've always had a strong sense of intuition, but I didn't always trust it. Mm-hmm. And so yoga has really allowed me to trust that whatever my body is saying, like, oh, I'm just not feeling well right now. What's going on? That gives me an avenue into really zooming out of my life and seeing where am I overextending? Where am I getting too far away from where I want to live? This Mm -hmm. feels very abstract, but it's, it's so present every day. That's, that's, Sorry, go ahead, Emma. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I feel like that is so, I don't know, a part of what people are interested in and wanting to connect with more, which is that sense of intuition, bodily wisdom. And I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about how you feel like yoga helped you connect with that. Yeah, I, you know, when I, I think the year that I went through curvy yoga teacher training was really a huge shift for me mm-hmm. because in just kind of thinking through variations on poses and the benefits of poses, it was a really wonderful open uh, opportunity to think about why am I doing this and what is it going to do for me? And so that process was a stepping stone to kind of extending that beyond just yoga poses. Yeah. And so I think yoga's yoga's um, more strong presence in my life gave me the tools to be more embodied and more sovereign over my experience mm-hmm. by really turning inward for wisdom. Wow. That's good. This is this is a great segue to this next question, and I feel like you've already touched on this, but maybe you can talk about it a little bit more. Um, but what does your real life yoga and or body acceptance practice look like? The most important thing that I've ever done for real life yoga and body acceptance practice is to cleanse my social media feeds. Oh, there that's go. so yeah. good. I love it. <laughs> okay, tell us what you did. Yeah, I I got rid of anyone who was constantly talking about dieting. Yeah. I report Facebook ads that are marketing dieting as um, offensive. Nice. I um, I've integrated a lot more body positivity people into my Facebook feed, and yeah. I think that what I have found is that 
the more you expose yourself to diversity and body size and body acceptance, the less um, automatic the kind of conditioned social response to prefer thin over not is there. It's like, I don't, I don't even look at myself now and think like, Oh, I wish I could lose 10 pounds. Like I haven't had that thought in a year. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's so great. And And it's amazing how I think it proves like the power of social media. Yes. Um, the negative, I mean, how it can, how it's negatively affecting people, but then also how it can have that positive effect on you if you're using it correctly. (laughs) Right. And it's kind of like you were saying, let's bringing in that intention that you've been talking about. And I think intuition of really what's feeding you versus what's draining you and what you want to cultivate in your life. So that was the first thing. And I think, you know, the rest of what, what my practice looks like now is looking for ways to use yoga to connect to myself as opposed to with other people. So I, you know, I teach Mm. a couple of classes a week and I find those to be really, I've come to think of teaching yoga as being almost like, I'm going to use this word and it's a weird word, but it's how I feel. Um, it feels like my ministry to the world. Mm. I love that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like the way that I teach yoga is very much about kind of helping other women connect to their own intuition and the movements that we're doing almost don't matter. Mm. And so that's very outwardly focused. And I get a lot out of doing those yoga practices with with my students, but for my own practice, it's much more, it's much less physical and much more emotional and kind of restorative and, um, just kind of that yoga mindset as opposed to movement. Mm -hmm. I think you have talked, you've given some examples of this, but I would be interested to hear what you do with this question, this particular phrase, which is how would you describe what yoga off the mat looks like for you? For me, yoga is really just about presence in the, in the current moment Mm -hmm. and awareness and, um, you know, that presence without judgment. So yoga off the mat for me just looks like trying not to let the anxiety swirl, take me out of the moment. It's about, being really focused about what's right in front of me mm. and knowing that everything else is, is, is going to be okay. And I, I'm not perfect at that, right? Like I have a lot of anxiety, <laughs> but, but that's the practice, right? That's the, that's the continual invitation to come back to this moment. Right. It's like any opportunity that you have to do it is, something positive, even if there were a million other moments that you didn't do it, which is true for me (laughs) every day. Yeah. That's good. So what Liz has surprised you most about working with your own body acceptance? That's a good question. I, I think that if you had told me four years ago that I would feel this way about myself today, I would have laughed. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like that's crazy. Um, what surprised me most is that I've, I've, um, completely changed the way I think about my body. And I, I really 
celebrate it um, in a way that I haven't before. And I, I would love to share this story, and I, I need to check with you um, and ask if this is a podcast where swearing is okay. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Just you making sure. You the first one. <laughs> okay. So I was, um, I was at a workshop with Diane Bondi in February of last year um, in Minneapolis, and she said, imagine if your body talked to you the way that you talk to it. And so you woke up one morning and your thighs said, you know what? Fuck you. I'm not getting out of bed today. <laughs> I was like, mind blown, right? Like, the negativity that we turn onto our body, if it was reflecting that back, we would never do anything. Right. Yeah. And so that was a moment where I was like, you know what? No. Instead of criticizing what I can't do, I'm going to celebrate what I can do. Yeah. And I, I don't think, I, I think that that's really just been the dominant way I think about my body now. And that's really surprising to me that I could do that. That's awesome. Well, and I like how you foregrounded, if you would have asked me four years ago, I never would have thought this was possible because I think it just illustrates how it is a process that unfolds over time, which I think sometimes can feel intimidating. Like how long is this going to take and what does it look like? But it's one of those things that... I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like kind of sneaks up on you in a way where you're maybe not noticing so much day to day. And then you look back, whether it's over a month or six months or a year or four years, and you're like, whoa, things have really changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that, you know, as much as it's been a very incremental process for me, it's been even more of an incremental process for my family. Mm, so yeah. when I first started um, teacher training and I started, you know, exploring intuitive eating and body acceptance and all of that. I was really worried because I have a life partner who's like super, super fit and really into working out and building strength and very, you know, image conscious. And mm. I think that he would allow me to say even a little vain about his appearance. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and so, you know, for me to then come in you know, to have been in the relationship for several years and then say, you know what, I'm not going to try to become a smaller version of myself anymore. Yeah. I'm just going to embrace what I am. And that's fine. Like that felt very, very threatening to me. Mm -hmm. And it has been a process, but you know, to his great credit, and he's a wonderful man. He now is like really careful about the things he says yeah. And, you know, when he talks about like, you know, I'm feeling a little um, less comfortable in my body than I would like to, he uses that language instead of saying, I need to lose weight. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, to see that and because we have a 10 year old daughter to see the changes for her as well is just like mind blowing. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it is interesting. It's sort of similar to, in some ways, to what you're sharing about social media, where that was about more choosing to create your environment. And this is kind of reflecting the other side of it of how you can also change your environment through what you are doing and how you're showing up and relating with people. And not in a, hey, let me tell you all the ways you're wrong kind of way, but really mm. being open, it sounds like, about your journey and what's important to you. 
And that's not to, I don't want to, I don't ever want to suggest that like I figured it all out and our relationship is perfect. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I still have a lot of insecurity about kind of our different ways of approaching our physical bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think I always will, but it's better. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that's good. what it's all about. Yeah. So if there were ever times in your yoga journey where you felt like, oh, I'm not doing enough, whether that's practicing often enough or in a particular way, um, I'm wondering how you think about things like that now compared to how you used to, if that's ever been an issue for you. Yeah, I definitely do. You know, I... You know, when we were, when I was getting ready to have this conversation, I was like, well, I should probably be practicing yoga more so I can talk about it. (laughs) In case Uh, I give you a pop quiz. (laughs) Let's make it till we make it. Um, You know, I, I would love to tell you that I I definitely have struggled with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I definitely struggle with a lot of things around like imposter syndrome as a yoga teacher. Like Mm -hmm. I don't do yoga every day. I don't do a physical yoga practice every day. Mm -hmm. I don't, I haven't been to a class in forever and I hate it. Mm -hmm. Um, that I wasn't teaching of course. Um, and when I do go, I'm like so obstinate about not doing anything that I don't want to do that I'm like (laughs) worst yoga student ever. The second they're like, move into down dog and rest. I'm like, screw you. (laughs) It's restorative time for me. Um, And so like, I, you know, I I have a lot of guilt around that, but, but then I come back to this fact, this um, realization that I have that I've just decided, and it was just a decision and I won't go back on it, that I am not going to let anyone or anything tell me that I'm not blank enough of anything period. Yeah. Yeah. Like my yoga practice is what it is and that's fine. And you know, the, the anxiety for me is not that it doesn't look a particular way. It's that I'm afraid that I'm like giving myself permission to be lazy and that's my own kind of, you know, anxiety, Mm -hmm. but ultimately like, it's just what it is. That's just what it is. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be convinced otherwise. Amen and hallelujah to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You have the enti- the entire choir is behind you. That's right. <laughs> so, what advice would you have for either people who feel stuck in their current yoga practice or body acceptance practice, or who are maybe thinking about starting yoga or just exploring? the idea of body acceptance, what would your advice be for those people? I think the most important thing that, that I have done is just expose myself to other women who are farther along that path than I am. Yeah. So books, podcasts, you know, um, blogs, um, articles, you know, just social media, just exposing myself to those people has inspired me. So I think I started on a body acceptance path around the same time that I started curvy yoga teacher training, but I read a book by Kelsey Miller called big girl. And I was like, Oh my God, you can do this. Like this is a thing. (laughs) I had 
had no idea. I remember I was traveling. I was at a retreat, like a writing retreat for for academics, and I was reading it on my way home. And I was calling Doug, and I was like, "You have to read this book. You you're never going to believe it. Like people just eat what they want." <laughs> Yeah. And he he made it like 20 pages and he's like, well, I don't think this book is for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's it. And, you know, in terms of people who are feeling stuck or uncertain about a yoga practice, I would just say like, you know, you have to step away from yoga journal and think the, the, the thought, step away from the notion that yoga looks one way and know that, just like getting out of bed and stretching your arms above your head and taking a breath can be yoga. Like yeah. it's not a thing. It's yeah. many things. It is many things. That's I love that. Yeah, yeah. That's a really great way to put it. Okay. So tell us a little bit about aqua yoga. Oh my gosh. I'm <laughs> obsessed with aqua yoga. So let me tell you how I started this because you know, I think people often imagine that I had this brilliant plan and it was so well thought out and that's totally not the case. (laughs) (laughs) The same is true for me. That's how Kirby Yoga came to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I was, um, I work in the summertime at this, um, peculiar little place up here in Monegal and, um, they have daily yoga classes. Um, and so they had a yoga teacher, and I wanted to do like, like they do a more vinyasa kind of morning yoga class, um, five days a week for eight weeks. And I had no interest in teaching that, but I wanted to teach more of like a restorative yin kind of practice in the afternoons. Mm. But I hate being hot. Like I can't stand sweating. <laughs> yeah. So it had to be somewhere that was air conditioned and there's only one space at this facility that's air conditioned. So I was like, I'll teach yoga for you, but only if I can do it here. Well, the like endowment for that space doesn't allow for fitness classes of any kind. Huh. So they're like, we can't use that space. Huh. And and so I said, well, then the only way I'll do it is if I can do it in the pool so I cannot be hot. Hilarious. Nice. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if aqua yoga is a thing, but I'm just going to figure out a way to make it work so that I don't have to sweat. So um, that was in like March and we started in June. And so I just did a lot of Googling about like how to do different yoga poses in the water. There's not a lot out there. But what I found is that when I actually got into a pool and started playing with it, yoga became this totally different thing because the water supports like a large percentage of your weight Mm -hmm. and any fears that you might have in any kind of balancing pose about falling over and breaking a bone are just gone. Right. (laughs) So like poses that I would never feel comfortable trying out of the water, like dancer, I can totally do in the water because when I fall out of it, I just get wet. (laughs) Which you're anticipating because you're already in a pool. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, they're, you know, doing like, um, basically every pose then becomes so much more about finding the edge and holding it Mm. and less about like really trying to be athletic or, super strengthening. It's much more about lengthening and holding and no one can really see what you're doing because, you know, they're all in the pool with you. So there's a lot of freedom there of not worrying about looking like the person next to you. 
Yeah. So we can't do inversions. (laughs) (laughs) And Shavasana has become, here's a pool noodle. Go float for five minutes. Yeah. Uh, But it's, it's just incredibly therapeutic. And I have students, uh, the people who come to my aqua yoga classes regularly, almost all have chronic health conditions Mm. that make any kind of movement practice very challenging. Mm -hmm. I have someone with MS. I have had many hip replacements, knee replacements, you know, where they couldn't get up and down off the floor if they wanted. And I have a student who comes every week religiously and says, the day after I do this class is the only time I'm not in pain. Wow. And that's why it feels like a ministry to me. I'm like really giving people a platform to live a a much better life. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Well, I just love how many doors that opens up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What else would you like to share before we sign off here? How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I recently finished life coach training, like as of a week ago. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, it feels like a really complimentary skill set to what I'm doing with my yoga. And so, you know, right now I'm just really exploring, um, different kinds of workshops, maybe some online like classes and retreats. Like I don't want to quit my day job because I love it. So I'm looking for ways to integrate kind of a coaching perspective and a, and a yoga practice teaching practice together in intensive, but short term things. Mm, So, yeah. So one of um, my curvy yoga yoga teacher training sisters, Katie and I have a retreat coming up in March and We're super excited about it. Um, and so that's something that I would love for people to know about. And yeah. Yeah, that's great. So we will definitely share that. And everybody will be able to find Liz and all her places on the internet for sure. And I hope people will come check out that retreat because it sounds so good. Amazing. Yeah. We got this incredible house. Like I just, I and I, you know, Katie and I were, we're thinking we're getting ready to roll out the marketing for this. And then one of the hurricanes came and we're like, we should probably not <laughs> like, <laughs> a little insensitive right now. Um, but as far as we know, everything survived to the hurricanes. Okay. So good. this house is like right on the beach and it's gorgeous and we can't Amazing. Yeah. March should be such a good time of year for that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Katie well, and make her famous biscuits for us. Ah, <laughs> that alone is worth it, y'all. Amen. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for talking with us, Liz. It was great to hear about what's what you're up to these days. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Love you guys. Yeah. Love you same. All right. Welcome back. I know that you enjoyed that. Liz is such, um, she's just a joy. She's really great. Um, and again, we really love her. So I know that you did too. I am going to share my resource for you this week. Of course, it's someone that you can follow on social media. Um, her social media, her social media name, her name on Instagram is the Julia Christine and it's spelled just as you would imagine that it's spelled, but we'll link to it for sure. 
And she is a California-based holistic esthetician. And um, I just really enjoy her feed and I enjoy her vulnerability and the things that she talks about. Um, And her feed is visually very beautiful, as is she. So I would definitely go follow her if you are looking for people to kind of light up your Instagram. And my next... So next, I'm going to share my gratitude with you for the week. So my daughter, who you hear me talk about sometimes, was supposed to (laughs) co-host... with me this week and she's had she wouldn't mind me saying this she's kind of had a hard week and it was time for us to sit down and record and she was like honestly I can't do this right now she's fine like everything's good but she was just like I just don't I just like can't she asked me a question about like like in recording and I was like well like you just can like say it like and she was like I can't fake it right now (laughs) I was like well I'm definitely not asking you to fake anything and she was like well I just can't do it and as a yes person um, I am thankful to be raising a child who has some boundaries like obviously when you commit to things there are times that you have to do them but she also knew that like the world wouldn't end if she did not record this with me. It's definitely less interesting, and I'm going to get her on when she's having a better week. But I was like, you know what? Thank goodness for that. Like, thank goodness for <laughs> that she just innately has this thing in her where she was like, I just can't do this right now. So I'm thankful to somehow have raised a child <laughs> who is willing to say no when she needs to say no. Um, and I'm glad that there's, she won't be doing as much undoing as an adult as I'm doing. So shout out to Jaya. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for listening and for always coming back and being so supportive. We're so thankful for you. I am just going to give us one deep breath together to close. Inhale. And exhale. The light in me honors the light in you. Namaste. Namaste.